Good morning. My name's Carl. <laughs> really good to be here with you. And uh, if you if you are visiting, we're as Michael reminded us at the start, we're going through a short Christmas series, and we're looking at the songs of Christmas. Uh, and that was really helpful. That was really helpful, wasn't it? Just before you come to sing it, to understand and to really grasp it. So thanks, mate. Thank you so much for that. It was really cool. Can you believe it? In two weeks. In two weeks, it'll all be over. <laughs> the wait, the long wait, nervously anticipating it. I'm going to be 40 in two weeks. Can you believe it? It's a nightmare. I'm just joking. Christmas will be over this time in two weeks. The wait, two weeks. I know some of you are like, oh no, panic. I haven't got me presents and things like that. But you know, even after it's over, we'll still be waiting. We'll still be waiting unless the bright morning star has already returned. Unless, as we've heard, the Lord Jesus returns. We're still waiting. Last week, Paul uh, took us, did the, uh, in the start of our Christmas series, into Mary's song in Luke chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, open it in Luke chapter 1 because we'll begin, we're going to be going there again in a minute. And her response, we were looking at her response to the news of the child that she would have, the long-awaited promised child, the Messiah, the Son of God. Thousands of years of waiting for this child. 400 years of quiet and then we heard the song that this child is finally coming. And this week we're in the same uh, gospel, in the gospel of Luke chapter 1 still. And we're in chapter 1 because all these things that are going on are all at the same time. They're all intertwined. But before, do you know, before the angel Gabriel came to Mary, he had another job to do. Did you know that? If you know Luke, you'll know it. Because he had another baby to announce. Because there's two babies at Christmas on the first Christmas. Did you know that? Two babies at Christmas. He had to come and announce that another child would be born. And these two babies were part of the fulfillment of God's salvation plan. So do you remember Paul took us and he said, look, the times that the Israelites were living in, they were under real oppression, under corruption of the governments that were there in charge of them. And the people lived in anticipation of God keeping his promises of a Messiah to come. Who would free them from this bondage? Who would free them from this oppression, from this darkness that they're living in? And there would have been actually no one waiting more than a person that we're looking at this morning. His name was Zechariah. You see, Zechariah was a priest. And his whole life, his whole life and ministry would have been one of longing and hoping and pointing to the promise that a, that a Savior would be sent from God. He was an old man. His wife was old too. He was married to Elizabeth. And it says that they were both righteous people before God. Sadly, Elizabeth and Zechariah had no children. They were old, and Elizabeth was barren. And she was never going to have any children until. 
One day, Zechariah was on his post. You see, he was part of a group, or you might say a team of priests, because in Jesus' day, there was 20, over 20,000 priests. Okay, and so they were broken up into divisions, and it was his team who were on duty this day in the temple. And he was getting to do a special job. It was a once-in-a-lifetime, probably a once-in-a-lifetime job for a priest to do. He got, he, they, they used to take a lot, like sort of pick something out, and he was the chosen one this time. He got to go into the holy part of the temple, into the presence of God on behalf of the people in prayer. He must have been nervous. I wonder what it must have been feeling like for him. He must have been excited. He probably asked some of the other guys who've already done it, what's, what's it like? What am I going to experience? But you know, he's going to go in and he's going to experience something that no one has ever experienced when they've been doing this role. You see, as he went in to the, into the temple, into the holy place, the angel Gabriel appeared to him. A messenger from God. And he said, Zechariah, your wife, your old wife, is going to have a baby. You're going to have a son, and you're going to call him John. And this is what he will be like. If you've got your Bibles, look at verse 15 of chapter 1. For he will be great before the Lord. This is John. He'll be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the, to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. I said before that they've been waiting 400 years, 400 years of silence. The last prophet to speak was Malachi. And in Malachi, he, this is the last thing he said. Behold, I will send you Elijah. Did you notice that? John, Elijah, the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So before the Savior comes, he's saying, Elijah comes. And this is who the angel Gabriel is talking about. He's saying this child, John, will be like the prophets of old. Will come as a forerunner to Jesus, the Savior of the world. John is the Elijah promised. But Zechariah, as he listened to Gabriel, as he's going through something that no one else had experienced, doesn't believe the angel. He doesn't believe what he's hearing. And because he didn't believe the word of God, Zechariah was made mute. He didn't believe the word, so he couldn't use his own words. And he was not able to speak because of his unbelief. But his unbelief didn't stop the fulfillment of God's promises. As Elizabeth did come, become pregnant, which was a miracle. We can brush over that there quick. It's a miracle that this lady became pregnant. And just as was said, you get to verse 57, as quick as that, and she's had a baby boy. 
And the people thought that he would be called Zechariah or Junior. Zechariah Junior, whatever you want to call him. Named after his father, but no, Zechariah wrote down because he still couldn't speak nine months later. His name is John. And in his obedience, and now in his belief, his mouth is opened. And what's the first thing that he does? He sings a Christmas song. Yes. He sings a Christmas song. And actually this song is sort of known as the Benedictus. So we'll read it together. So let's read the song together. Let's see what he sings about in Luke chapter 1, verse 67. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to his father, to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might save him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophets of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give Him knowledge of salvation to His people in forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. So John has been born. And now Zechariah, you can imagine it, for the first time, holding him in his arms, this miracle baby. What will this be the first words that he hears? We were chatting about this at staff, and someone, I won't tell you who it was, said, you'll never walk alone. I was like, no. <laughs> he definitely didn't sing that. What does he do? He sings a song of praise. A song of praise. And the first thing he sings is this. We, can't, we won't get into all, absolutely every bit of detail because there's so much in here. But we'll pick out a few. The first thing he praises is this. Praise to the promise keeper. Praise to the promise keeper. You see, Zechariah is sitting there. And he's sitting on the edge of the fulfillment of God's covenant promises the promised messiah he's sitting on the edge of it these people have been waiting and waiting and waiting and he's sitting on the edge of it and this song that he sings is actually a response yes but it's also a prophecy as he's filled with the holy spirit just like john when he was actually in his mother's womb was filled with the Holy Spirit. Just like Mary in her conception was filled with the Holy Spirit and Elizabeth in verse 41, the Holy Spirit is central to all that is going on in these verses. The, the Holy Spirit inspires praise to the promise keeper because it's the triune God who visits and redeems his people. And look at verse 68 because this is a key verse, the very first thing that he sings in the whole song he blesses the Lord 
because the Lord has visited and redeemed his people. You see, the word for visited is something like supervisor or super looker or overlooker. One who looks over things closely, carefully, at detail and fully. The New Testament actually speaks of Jesus in this way. A supervisor of our souls. A supervisor of all things. The one who looks and knows all things. And so when God comes and visits his people, he's looking on them intently, carefully. And what does he do? He redeems his people. He pays a price to save his people. You see, God looks on in his providence and he redeems his people through the fulfillment of his promises of a Messiah. And these promises of the Messiah, God's promised king, who come, who will come to save his people from their enemies. Save his people from the darkness of this world and the brokenness of this world. And Zechariah shouts out, He has visited. Jesus hasn't been born yet. He has visited and redeemed his people. Jesus is here and his work is sure. Why? Because God keeps his promises. And he goes on and he gives a name to Jesus. There's actually a name for the Messiah. It's not a very familiar name. What does he say? He says he's the, the horn of salvation. The horn of salvation has been raised, he says, in verse 69. You see, this is the name given to the promised Messiah. And it's a picture. The horn he's talking about is the horn of an ox. You've all seen those programs with the oxes. They're powerful beatings. You've seen them when they go together. No chance. Strong, powerful strength. This is what it's talking about. And he's saying the Messiah has come in strength and he will not be overcome. The job the Messiah has come to do to redeem his people will happen because the Messiah comes in strength and power and no one is going to stop him. That's a good thing, isn't it? No one's going to stop him from doing his work. He's the horn of salvation. And he says, he's from the house of David. The Messiah is from the line of David. Just as he promised King David, he would do, would be in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Jesus was born into the line of King David, the tribe of Judah. You see, God kept his promise to David. And then Zechariah points out that this has been God's plan all along. It's the fulfillment of the promises that the prophets have been saying of old. They've been given given these uh, promises for, for thousands of years before. The first time that Jesus was promised was right at the beginning of creation. Right at the beginning. In Genesis chapter 3. When we hear how we've turned our back on him, we rejected him as Lord. And Satan tempted Adam and Eve away from the Lord of all. But what does God do? Yes, they face their punishments, but he makes a promise. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, a seed of the woman would come and would crush Satan's head. The enemy will be crushed 
by the horn of salvation. You see, the people of Israel thought the, the Roman oppression that they were under was the enemy to be saved from. But you know, the ultimate enemy and our ultimate enemy is the prince of darkness, is Satan, and all that has been brought through his work of sin, death, disease, brokenness, everything that brings a shadow of death over us and over our lives, it will all be destroyed by the horn of salvation, by the Messiah, the Lord Jesus. You see, Satan is our ultimate enemy, but we are saved by the baby born in a manger who is the horn of salvation. He doesn't just stay there, does he? And no one can stop him. No one can stop him. You see, God kept all his promises proclaimed through the prophets. Zechariah goes on and says... uh, and proclaims God is the promised covenant keeper. You see, in Genesis chapter 12, God promises Abraham. He says, I'll give you a great nation. I'll make you into a great nation. This is an old man who, again, his wife was barren and old. I promise to make your family into a great nation. I will give you a great land and you will be a great blessing to the whole world, to all nations from your family. God, in Genesis 15, God commits to these promises by making a covenant, a pact between himself and Abraham. Actually, it all comes from God. And he promises, or actually he swears by his own existence or his eternal being, that he will keep his promises. God puts his own deity on the line to confirm the promise that Abraham will be the father of nations and that blessing to the whole world would come through him. And Jesus is that blessing. Jesus is that fulfillment to Abraham. You see, God kept his promise to Abraham too. And those of us who've been rescued from our enemies are now able to save him, he says. Save the Lord without fear and in holiness and righteousness before him. Before you could not even know him. Now you get to save him. And you may be thinking, well, what does that mean? It means this. If you are a Christian, if you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the one who is the fulfillment of all these things, then you are now able and are living before the face of God. Living in His presence, under His authority, to His glory in holiness and righteousness, and you'll do it all the days of your life and into eternity. And you're able to do that because that's who you are now. Because God keeps His promises. You see, we can trust God completely. We find it hard to trust people now, don't we? Trust is a precious thing. We felt it this week, I think, in our country, haven't we? Who do we trust? Listen, God has and will always keep his promises. Trust him. If you can't trust anyone else, trust him because you can Trust him. You see, Zechariah is on the edge of 
of this fulfillment of these promises through the birth of Jesus, the promised Messiah. Zechariah sings praise to the promise keeper. And now we come to the second half of the song, verse 76 to 79, and it's basically, this is the great news of the gospel. And we're going to split it into two. See, the second thing he says is this, Zechariah sings praise for the joy of salvation. Look at verse 67, and you, child, will be called prophets of the Most High as he's looking at his baby in his arms. You will be, John, called the prophets of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. So Zechariah turns his attention to John, his son, but what he says about John and what he will do is actually about Jesus. But we have already heard about John being the Elijah. He is the promised forerunner, the way maker for Jesus to come and for Jesus to build his kingdom. You see, and John is the fulfillment of promise too. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3 says this, a voice, a voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. This is the job that was prophesied that John would do. He will do this job. He will bring the greatest news for all people. Knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. I don't know what you think of when you think about salvation. Being saved from something, being rescued from sin, even death, pain, disease. Yes, they are all true. We've just said that. We've just seen that. But what's the ultimate meaning of salvation in the Bible? Do you know what it is? It might surprise you. I don't know. It's to be saved from God. To be saved from God. You see, the Bible says that we are at war with God. We are His enemies whilst we are still in our sin. You see, our sin is anything that we put in the way so that we can reject Him as Lord. And because He is righteous, and because He is holy, He has to deal with sin. He has to punish us for our sin. He has to do it. Otherwise, He wouldn't be God. And because of that, yes, we must fear Him if we're still in our sin. We have to fear Him. If you're still in your sin, you will face punishment for your sin. But, but the knowledge of salvation is the forgiveness of sins. Another Bible version puts it like this. It says, the knowledge of salvation is the remission of sins. I don't know what you think of when I say the word remission. I'm sure some of you, the word cancer comes to mind, doesn't it? You hear the news that if you have cancer, you're in remission. And that's a good thing because it means that it's all gone. It's gone. So that's great news to hear from the doctor. But the sad thing is, it could come back. I'm sure most of us know the weight of that because we know someone who struggles with that and the fear of that. But you know, with the remission of sins, 
the forgiveness of sins, it's all gone and it's never coming back. Yes, that's forgiveness. It's never coming back. And when you have no more sin, he says, you are holy. Wow. You are set apart now. And you are righteous before God. He sees you as right. You're not his enemy anymore. You're his. And you don't need to fear him. But you can live for him. This is the news that John is going to share as he gets a bit older. That's a cool job, isn't it? This is the news that he's being told. The first thing his dad's telling him. My question to you this morning, do you have the knowledge of salvation? Do you know of this joy of your sins forgiven? Yes, we do fall into sin still. But you know what? God still sees you as righteous. It's incredible. You are still His. You will never be apart from Him. Do you know of this joy of your sins forgiven? Whatever your sins are, do you know what it is to be able to live before God without fear? Because John says, or will go on to say as he gets older, and Zechariah claims that you can through the one that has come, through the promised Messiah. You see, Zechariah sings praise for the knowledge of salvation. I hope you're praising him in your heart because this is good news for you if you're a Christian. But you might be thinking, well, how is this possible? How can a holy and righteous God forgive us our sin and make us holy and righteous? Well, finally, Zechariah sings it for us. He sings praise for the mercy of God. Look at verse 78, the last couple of things he sings. He says, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Do you know one of the greatest lies of the enemy is? That you are good enough to achieve your salvation. So many people think, I'm all right, I'm not that bad a person. But it's simply not true. And the Bible is very clear that it's not true. You are bad because you've rejected God and we've all done that. All of us are. And you cannot earn your own salvation. You cannot make yourself good for a perfect and holy God. But the tender mercy of God is enough. He loves you enough. You see, our God is strong and he is gentle. And he looks upon his people and he says, I will redeem my people. As it says, the sunrise from on high visits us. The sunrise from on high is another name for the Messiah to come. It's another name for Jesus. He has visited us and has redeemed us. How? How? He is the light that has stepped into the darkness. The darkness of this world with healing in his wings, Malachi said he would. You see, the Messiah is the promised light to deal with the darkness of sin and death 
in this world. Isaiah chapter 9 said this years before. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You see, God has such tender mercy for His people that He sends His only Son to be a child in a manger, but more than that, to be the light of the world by dying on a cross. To take the full wrath of God, the full wrath of God on Himself. Every sin that you have done, everything you have ever thought, anything you've ever acted out or wished, all those sins, He says, I will pay the punishment for you. Every time you've rejected Him as Lord, He says, I will take that punishment for you. The full wrath of God as he hung upon a tree. Jesus, the sunrise from on high, rises in the life of men and women, bringing them out of darkness and sin, away from death and the shadow of death, into his marvelous light for all eternity. The forgiveness of sins, the knowledge of salvation, the tender mercy of God, the Son of Righteousness coming into a dark and, and darkness and the shadow of death. These things make it possible for us to see where our feet are going. And He leads us into the way of peace. Isaiah chapter 9 goes on to say this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In a few weeks, in fact two weeks time, Boxing Day will be here, and we're going to meet a man called Simeon, who says, Lord, as he meets the Messiah, and he holds the baby in his arms. I'm ready to die in peace because the Messiah has come. Do you know if you meet him today, you can live in peace knowing that your sins are forgiven and you will be in peace for all eternity? Christian, if you're holding on to something else in this world, let it go. Know what it is to walk in peace with your Savior. And your eternity starts today. Today. What a song. It's all right, isn't it? Actually, what a Savior. Yeah? What a Savior. Do you think, do you think he was worth waiting for? I wonder what Zechariah would say. Absolutely, yes. You know, as we finish, I want to encourage us, as we wait for Christmas to come, that we should remember, as Andrew already reminded us so helpfully, that we're waiting for the new day of visitation. We're waiting. But it's so exciting because it's coming. Revelation 22, Jesus says these. These are some of his last words. He says, I am the root. I am the descendant of David, the promised one. The bright morning star. 
sunrise from on high. And he says, behold, I am coming. He's coming. That's the best. <laughs> He's coming. You may feel the weight and darkness of this world, and we do. We do feel the weight and darkness of the world. But Jesus is coming again, and the wait will soon be over. It could be tomorrow. We might not get to Christmas. It could be today. So let's live, serve him, without fear, in holiness and righteousness all our days. And proclaim him, just like John went on to do. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice with Zechariah this morning. We praise you with him this morning. That you are the promise keeper. We praise you for the joy of salvation that we know. We thank you that Jesus is our salvation. And thank you that you are a God of mercy. And that you have shown us the path from darkness to light, from death to life. Oh, Father, help us to go out and proclaim Jesus' name. Help us to make much of him and save him without fear in holiness and righteousness. And Father, if there's someone here who doesn't know you this morning, oh, please, Lord, break through the darkness. And Father, soften hearts. And Lord, bring salvation today. And may the angels be rejoicing at the sound of a sinner who repents. And may we get to rejoice with them. Father, we rejoice in our Savior this day. And thank you that our eternity starts today because of him. Help us to walk in peace. And help us to glory in him. We pray these things in our Lord Jesus' name. Amen.